Yeah, Ronnie. So we're back here. Another evening recording. You know, I was away this weekend at a bachelor, so it was a little bit hard to watch the rugby, but I'm glad you held down the fort. I suppose it wasn't a very fun bachelor's if you didn't watch any rugby. Yeah, you know, that's also a struggle of it all, hey? Got to play some golf though at Highland Gates, which was pretty cool. You know, golf is my handicap, but it was quite lacquer out there. What a course. Very, very nice views. Thinking of moving to the low felt. We're also thinking of uh, doing golf reviews in future podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if I have much to say about that. But yeah, Ronnie, so Curry Cup this weekend. It's good to see the boys out on the pitch. Um, much of the same. You know, Griquas versus Western Province was the first one of the weekend. You said it, though. Much of the same. Yeah, unfortunately. Don't you think it's getting a little bit monotonous watching the same teams play each other week in, week out? 100%. That's why I'm glad that the URC is mixing it up a bit this weekend. But I did see that we both called uh, this victory for the Griquas. So that was a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Griquas are, you know, they, for some reason they are the giant slayers. I mean, I, I read an article a couple of weeks ago uh, about Scott Matthew, one of the ex-coaches, being the giant slayer himself. And, you know, it, it's quite fitting. The Griquas tend to do that. Yeah, I think with their fly halves under Duplessis as well, he's been putting in some cracker performances. I bet you anything he's going to be snapped up by one of the bigger unions at the end of the season. I'm surprised he hasn't already, considering he comes from Grey Bloom. Yeah, what do they put in the water there that allows these oaks no, to kick no, so no. far? Kinsmiths, hey? boy. Those guys, they know how to kick. It's un unreal. But, I mean, in that game, it was quite funny to watch, actually. You know, guys not really playing to the whistle. High tackle was made, the player stopped, and immediately the Griquas ran on with the ball, almost scoring a try. So, again, it comes down to play what's in front of you, play to the whistle, wait for the ref. If he doesn't call it, you've got to keep making those tackles. Some sloppy, sloppy rugby from Western Province. In that Isn't that really the first rule you get taught at rugby is play to the whistle? Yeah, I would say it probably is, eh? But, I mean, yeah, sloppy performance from Western Province. It's quite clear that their focus is the URC, having much better success, success up there. But, yeah, you know, Greg was controlled the whole game. Scoring two more tries against Western Province. It's uncharacteristic for that to be happening. I'm sure um, their alumni like Berger and Andries Baker, Etzebeth, Peter Steff will be very displeased with that performance. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the Griquas, don't, don't, don't count them down. They are a really strong team, um, especially at home as well. I mean, you know, they, they tend to put big performances in uh, when you least expect it. Yeah, first time they've had fans in in their home stadium since 2019. They have a full house? No, 2000. Well, oh, so that's a full house. <laughs> yeah, close to it. And yeah, this makes it the Griquas' third win in a row over Western Province, eh? Really? Can you believe it? Well, considering they play so much uh, recently, that what, three wins in probably like four months? And yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that's also true. Yeah, eh? true. But yeah, well done to the Griquas. I... Uh, Anyone that beats Western Province, I love you guys. Yeah, Ronnie, you and your hate for the VPA, hey? <laughs> and then what brings me great joy, please explain to everyone why you thought that the Cheetahs would lose to the Pumas. For the same reason I backed the Greek was, really. I just felt uh, Pumas at home tend to upset and, uh, you know, well, if they are going to upset a team, it is going to be at home. And, you know, they've had some strong performances against the Bulls recently um, and, you know... Well, when I say recently, I mean one of the eight tournaments they've had in the last eight months. So, you know, I just figured the boys from the low file would be able to do it, and uh, they didn't. I suppose uh, you said in the last podcast 
Cheetahs are taking this curry. France stain and, and, and the likes. So, yeah, that one, I don't know. I just think this is an opportune moment for me to laugh at you a little bit, Ronnie. You know, we've had a bit of banter on this podcast about who to listen to when it comes to Super Brew Picks. Did you by any chance notice that I got every single pick right this weekend, the winner, except, and the first time I got a wrong pick was the Shimless vs. Marty's game on Monday night. Okay. You can get a naughty badge. You're still losing to me in most of the tournaments. You're busy losing to my grandfather in the Curry Cup. Yeah, but your grandfather is picking upsets week in and week out, and he scores big points when those upsets happen. So high risk, high reward. Yeah. I don't know if Mr. Reinhardt is going to be able to uh, hold hold on to that lead or uh, for much longer. But if you're listening to this, Opa, keep it up. It's really annoying detail. <laughs> I don't mind losing to you, Opa, but... Uh, this gentleman to my right here, he's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> and then I just want to take another moment. You know that I'm a big fan of the Cheetahs. But Franz Stein, what a cracker of a kick again. Hey, 58 meters, had another 10 on it. At his age, he should be enjoying a beer. He shouldn't be having to do these stuff. I'm pretty sure he's doing both. Probably, probably. But on top of that 58 meter uh, kick, which he got over, did you see that try that he set up? Um, chip kick across field. I don't know what went on there. Speckman and um, the Pumas player both missing the ball. And then the Pumas player just stood there looking at it. Speckman picked it up, popped it to Clayton Blomikis, and it was a try. Yeah, yeah. So, Clayton Blomikis is also playing quite well these days, so I felt. But yeah, well done to Mr. Stain. You've still got it. Yeah, and again, you know, much what you expect from the Free Staters. Very dominant forward performance. Allowing the backs to play a little bit. And yeah, they got the victory. Lion Sharks? Lion Sharks. Sounds like a, a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lions versus Sharks? Yeah, well, our boys did it again. Um, you know, 43-31 win there for the Sharks. Rotating their 10s quite a bit. I mean, Kerwin Bosch was the Curry Cup 10. Now it's Butter Chamberlain with Bosch in the URC. So... Some interesting selections there. I think I think the two tournaments playing out at the same time just gives the, you know the opportunity for form players to play in one competition, then to mix it up and play somewhere else when they've slipped a little bit, and uh, gives the coaches a couple of options to work with and and come up with some nice combinations. Give everyone enough game time because isn't that what we really struggle with every season? Um, you know, you'll you'll go through a curry cup and feel that oh, X player didn't get enough game time, but now there really is no excuse. Everybody gets game time. No, hundred percent. I mean, everyone's getting game time, and we've already spoken about it on this podcast about the Sharks not splitting their squad. They have one big squad or super squad, if you will, and they select accordingly to that. I mean, um, Jeremy Ward was playing there. You know, they they've definitely mixing it up with the players. Cameron Wright as well as another one. But then, speaking of Cameron Wright, it brings me to the yellow cards. A lot of cards recently. Yeah, it's really concerning for me to see these South African teams getting all these cards. Do you think it's just a case of this, of, of our South African players not adapting to the new rules or the changes and um, you know letting slip some, some really sh- stupid errors? The thing is, though, the kind of cards that they're giving, how many cards have been given now for slapdowns? Yeah, but that is a ridiculous rule. We all we all understand. It's very rare that somebody intentionally slaps the ball forward. I mean, I've never once just slapped the ball forward. I, I can I can get when you're not in a realistic position to catch a ball, but instinct takes over. You you want to catch that ball. That's that's your prize. That's your goal, and you reach out for it. And 
and then the the referee deems that you've deliberately slapped it forward or or, or you know away, and that's I, I just think it's really harsh to get a card for something like that. Well, I mean, the Sharks suffered two two yellow cards in that game. Um, quite a, a debut there for Kerwin Goethe on the field for two minutes, and he got a card. <laughs> so that was a bit unfortunate. Then cruelly denied a try right at the end. But yeah, I think those two cards, Sharks lucky to to have pipped the Lions with that discipline. You know, it's, 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 if, if you were a bit of a neutral fan watching that game, it wasn't a very good defensive game. You know, you don't let 31 points in and you know if, and, and win the game i mean it's it's exciting obviously a lot of tries scored in that game but it's 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 worrying for me to see what our defensive um how strong or weak our defense is at the moment and you know saying that rodney funny enough south africa's prized possession is their defense on the international stage so any of these players trying to put their hands up for for national selection need to improve their defensive efforts. Well, with respect to with respect to the Sharks, majority of them are Springboks, so they are already in the mix. To but be fair, this week was mostly... They've had the training, but yeah, they need to perform. Yeah, no. So, I mean, Curry Cup, it is what it is. You know, there were some bans coming into the South African setup this week. We spoke about it on the last episode, House of Cards. Mornestain ultimately getting a three-week ban. Uh, Grant Williams getting a four-week ban. Look, I, I, I think I sent to you on WhatsApp this morning, you know, how the sort of disciplinary committee went through the decision, how they eventually arrived to a three-week ban for Mornestain. And they went in with a six-week as the standard. Um, so what, a mid-range? Yeah, as a mid-range offence. And, and, you know, as they went through it, they saw that, well, you know, he's not a dirty player. His record is, is quite... You know, it's squeaky clean. Um, And he apologized. He didn't admit guilt. But all of these things were taken into account. And that's what ultimately led to it being reduced to three weeks, which was very interesting to see. The thing with me is neither him nor Grant Williams admitted guilt. Grant Williams was given four-week ban for something that, to me, felt a lot lot less reckless and a lot less intentional than what Mornay Stain did. But then that's it. Why should you admit guilt if you feel strongly that it isn't a reckless and... Okay, but Mornay's really was reckless. (laughs) I mean, come now. So why why do you think there's that difference in the length of bands between those two tackles? Well, look, it, 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 we saw how they made those decisions. You have to look at the player's record. Monestain's been on, you know, in the arena for many years, and he's been able to keep it clean. Grant Williams is a relatively new um, newcomer, so he doesn't have that squeaky clean record. And But, I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Don't you think the fact that he has no disciplinary blips on his record is equivalent to so you would give him long... you would give him the benefit of the doubt hundred percent especially for something like that it wasn't a swinging arm or a no sure fair enough but I mean let's just look at it from a disciplinary committee perspective if you come in a little bit strongly in the beginning you know Grant Williams is going to be you know very much you know less inclined to do it again in future because you got four weeks so. You know, come in a little bit strong early and teach these guys some lessons. Let them, They need to adapt because, like we just mentioned, South Africa seems to be struggling adapting to all these yeah, rules. The disciplinary issues are definitely something. But, you know, again, going back to the cheetahs, I have to give a shout-out here to Shimless. Did you see what they did to Martis last night? I got that night? call very much wrong. So um, Very few people actually got it. I think 
12 people overall and, and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, a win it was a it was an a annihilation hiding, really first time seven seasons that shimless have toppled marty's do you know ronnie what the score was the last time shimless and marty's played and i'm sure it was the other way around though 81 24 to marty's yeah. no lack of shimless no really so. really really well done you oaks in the free state I mean, you guys just get the raw end of the deal every year now. And, uh, you know, there's good rugby coming out of Free State. I mean, they were even down to 13 men at one point, if you can believe it, hey? So that was a, a big performance from Shimless. Um, quite impressive. Funny enough, Swayze the Brain is their attack coach. Okay. That's well. something I didn't know. So he's definitely making his mark there. And then I just thought, you know, wrapping up the South African domestic stuff, UCT versus UJ, also a very, very close game. UJ taking UCT to the edge. <laughs> Got to keep harping on their low or their slogan there, but UCT cracking it right at the end to win that one twenty six twenty four. Yeah, I know they got pushed really hard. Well done to UJ. It's nice to see a little bit more competition coming in from those teams. No, for sure. UJ has definitely had much improved performance in the first two fixtures, and then Tucks getting their tournament on track with a win over Madibas. Getting it on track, you know, really. Well, it's they lost to Marty's last week, so yeah. well, writing, writing the boat, or <laughs> if you will. Okay, they just started uh, peddling some of the water out of the ship. Then, you know, we've talked about what's going on in the field. What about off the field? What's going on off the field? Springboks to join the Six Nations. <sighs> I'm going to agree with Cl- Sir Clive Woodward. Oh, okay, let's end this No, okay, right hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I hate Sir Clive Woodward, you're an asshole. No. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's vehemently against uh, yeah, having the Springboks join Six Nations because he's shit scared. No, but I mean, I think it's a ridiculous, uh, you know. I also think it's a well. ridiculous narrative. But so you agree? I with do Sir not agree with Clive Woodward. He's a. <laughs> 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 but anyway, announced last week that 2025 would be the year South Africa joined the Six Nations. Then comes the Guinness Six Nations out and saying absolutely not. They're sticking with the format that they have. They're focused on it. What did you make of this whole debacle, Ronnie? Well, don't you just think it's a little bit of speculation in the media because the contracts only go up until 2025. And after that, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So I just think it's a lot of speculation just to put headlines out there and have people discuss it. But look, I just want to say... Let's stop talking about it because I think it's ridiculous, and I don't. I think the Springboks would be making a hell of a mistake by dropping out of, uh, you know, leaving our Sansar brothers and sisters. You know, Ronnie, I have to agree with you. It's a lot of speculation and all of that. But one thing I've learned in rugby is often when these rumors start about player transfers and changes yeah. and stuff, they end up being true. No, fair enough. Obviously, where there's smoke, there's fire, and these guys. I, I always wonder if these guys just put it out there just to see how the public would react. But please, I'm, I'm begging you, please don't. Please don't leave the URC. You know, they say there's a 7.4 billion rand TV deal on the on the cards there. It's money. It is a money-making scheme. Look, money pays salaries, gets more investment, gets better players, gets better results, makes the product more exciting. But doesn't bring you World Cups, though. You know, I'll talk about this a little <laughs> bit later on, about what I think really needs to happen. But just please, I, I, I think it's ridiculous that we are considering this and entertaining it. it there should be... I mean, we, every day there's a petition out there on Facebook and on some social media platform about something or other. Can the guys just put a petition together just to block this and say, please, we don't want to leave the rugby championship. We, we want to stay south. And 
we want to let the Six Nations do their thing. They've got more than enough teams there to um, to expand on the Six Nations if they want. But yeah, please. Yeah, guys, we'd love to actually hear from you in the comments. So if you, you have something to say or want to voice your opinion on it, definitely let us know. You know, we're always keen to to broaden the, the thoughts on the topics. So share it with us. Um, and smash that like button. You know, but I mean, we clearly don't want to go there. At least our fan base doesn't want to go there. But I also get the feeling that they don't want us there. They don't want this uh, us there. I, I, don't, I think it would be... It's It's bad. Um, this seems like something Saru's cooked up that doesn't really please anyone except their pockets. Absolutely. Somebody's getting a good deal out of it, but uh, it's to the detriment, I think, of the game. And now let's just take a pause for a moment and say, okay, South Africa's going to the Six Nations as of 2025. <laughs> Do they exclude Italy? Or are we looking at expanding the tournament? How, how Look, it's difficult to say. You exclude Italy... And you basically destroy the Italian rugby nation as a nation. They they won't to destroy that. They won't recover from that. Absolutely, we, they need to look at bettering it, not punishing them by relegating them out. Well, I mean, with or without the box, there's talks of a relegation fixture for Italy and Georgia, which is bad. Which is really bad. I mean, look, Georgia, you know, they've won twelve out of the fourteen first division tournaments that they've played over the last fourteen years. 12, 12 of them. And they really deserve to be in the Six Nations. But are you telling me we have to remove Italy and replace them with Georgia? You're going to see, uh, you're going to see the t- a total collapse of rugby in Italy if that happens. But I mean, okay, Italy was joined into the Six Nations in 2001. So what, 21 years? This is their 22nd season, if my math serves me well. Doesn't always do that. But in that time, Italy's only not finished last twice. I think they're on a 34-loss streak at the moment. 34 games in a row that they've lost. Their last win was in 2015, where they beat Scotland 22-19 at home. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 2013, they notched wins over Ireland and France. So, I hear all of this, but something needs to be done to improve Italy. You cannot relegate them to out of the Six Nations and hope that they recover from that, because they will not. Yeah, they definitely won't. I mean... You know, Argentine rugby has, has struggled now with the Jaguares um, being excluded from Super Rugby. And it would be tough to see the South Africans leaving the Rugby Championship, leaving the Argentines behind after we fought so hard for their inclusion. You know, we were the driving force behind them joining the Rugby Championship. So I don't, I don't really see the benefit there. Well, what can you do, though? I think the reality of it is that uh, they should include Georgia... And turn it into seven nations. Leave South Africa out of it. Leave Italy where they are. Include Georgia. Um, you know, seven games, uh, seven teams in a tournament. It gives them the opportunity to have a bye weekend, and so there won't be a compulsory break that they have in the season, and they will sort of rotate uh, bye weekends, which I think is just that's the simplest solution. You're you're giving Georgia the benefit of um, of showcasing their rugby skills against some. Some top-tier nations like Ireland, Wales, Scotland... Uh, and I think the know, Georgians France. have long time been knocking on the door for that. Well, they have. They've won 12 out of 14 tournaments. And I mean, along with this announcement, there were some whispers that South Africa would be looking to participate in both the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship. But how, honest, in all honesty, feasible. How, how, that is not feasible. How could you possibly do that? I it mean, would be a 12-month calendar for South African players then. And I mean, that's just not going to work. I mean, you could split the squad, have your Northern Hemisphere. But, you know, granted, our current Springbok team is built from 
the majority of the northern hemisphere not if the sharks have anything to say about it yeah well absolutely <laughs> more they, on that they, later. They, they seem to be building something there there's some hell of a but thing yeah, i just don't see that as a, a plausible thing i think what we have now domestic league in the north rugby championship for international best, best of, of both, both worlds, worlds. Albany, get in there. Okay, well, let's look at this weekend's fixtures. It was obviously a bye last weekend in the Six Nations. Scotland versus France at Murrayfield. Yeah, I think I said this last week, but France is going to take that quite comfortably. Look, Scots at home, Murrayfield's going to be electrifying, but France will comfortably take that. I think comfortably, hey? I think that's going to be a 2-3 point fixture. 2-3 points, such two, a low scoring points. game. But the French are really the team to beat. Yeah, that's true, but I think that's that's a tough fixture for them, especially after the hive-beating uh, Ireland. England versus Wales? Uh, I'm going to back the English here at home in oh. Twickenham. I don't like the English, but, you know... I, I'm hoping for Wales, but unfortunately I do also think England are going to take that one. Okay. Ireland versus Italy? Italy. And <laughs> I'm backing the Italians as well. Yeah, Ireland going to run right there. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of experimentation with that Irish squad of rotation from their players so let's let's see it's a good good weekend's worth of games yeah absolutely. some interesting injury news as well did you see toby falatau is making his return for wales oh is it much much yeah. needed firepower up front there for the welsh absolutely and he's, see ben young's pulled out pulled out yeah he's uh he's they didn't quite give the reasons but he's gonna go spend some time with his family and shit, this would have been his cap to break the record for England, yeah, hey? Absolutely. 115. Just read that article Jason in passing Leonard. today and I thought, wow, that's something for somebody to say that they need some time away from the game. Well, so I mean, he did it during the Lions tour as well. Remember in uh, 2017, he also pulled out of the Lions tour for family reasons. So, okay, well, well, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of that. Maybe he, he shows himself at the games, but I don't think so. That's exciting, though. Start for Harry Randall, linking up with Marcus Smith. That's definitely going to make... I'm backing England 100% now. <laughs> I've just changed my mind. And then England likely to be bolstered by the return of Manu Tuolagi as well. Oh, is it? Okay, that's going to be very exciting. That's going to be a formidable English team. Yeah, I think, uh, look, I think Wales, sorry, you guys are in trouble. And then a player I'm quite fond of as well, also returning for England. They're getting them all back now, Courtney Laws. Hey, you like Courtney Laws? I think he's a stellar player and I think he makes any team when he's fit. So hopefully we see all of these players in action in the Six Nations this weekend. Captain material. Well, I mean, he was captaining the English side, and I wonder if they will keep it with um, Tom Curry now. Game of the weekend, though, out of those three fixtures. Has to be Scotland versus France. Yeah, I I think Scotland versus France, absolutely. Seb, if you're going to Murrayfield, send pictures. Don't drink too much beer. (laughs) Don't send pictures, please. We don't (laughs) want to know about you having fun. Yeah, and then also exciting, the USC finally heading overseas again. We're going to get some foreign opposition. Yeah, I saw some of the boys at the airport leaving... Um, going north and sitting on their tiny economy seat chairs. I mean, they really have to organise for some <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they sit yeah, into so could you Could you imagine being sit on, sat on a plane in between like Thomas the Toy and Beast when the sharks are no, travelling? No, no, they definitely <laughs> lay themselves flat in the aisle or something. <laughs> that would be quite chaotic. But yeah, I'm really glad to see that we're going out there this weekend. You know, Zebra facing the Bulls on Friday to kick it off. Leinster Lions, Connacht Stormers and Benetton versus Sharks. So that's all, you know, quite exciting fixtures. I'm really happy that we don't have any more derbies. I love the South Africans <laughs> yeah. and the South African we, sides. We really have enough in the URC plus the, the Curry, Curry Cup. Cup yeah. uh, the derbies just kill, you know, it's just a bit much right now. 
Lions going to have a very tough time containing Leinster, well, even with all their internationals gone. And I think the Sharks are benefiting from the fact that 23 of the Benetton players are with Italy. So, you know, this is South Africa's chance to shine. Last year we were over there. They had all we the internationals. Well. We did not have ours. No. Now we got to get there, stamp, put our foot down, you know, take the game to them. That'll be an interesting one. And then... Super Rugby Pacific, did you manage to see any of that this weekend? Yeah, I think, uh, look, um, it's always great to see that. It kind of brought back some flash, some memories, you know. Of, see the Tars getting the win for you. You know, they did, and they really, they won it convincingly, which is, you know, sad, obviously, uh, if, you, if, you're not, if you weren't a Tars fan in that game. But, yeah, great. Look, it, it really is nice to see some of those New Zealand teams in action as well. So, yeah, well done to them. Yeah, Brumby's kicking it off with a win as well in that one. And Crusaders pumping the Hurricanes, 42-32. Yeah, Crusaders just are legends. But I mean, other than that, for Jen Drua, obviously we just mentioned losing to the Waratahs, their first fixture in the tournament. Yeah, Moana Pacifica, unfortunately. Delayed again. Yeah, they're only coding out of quarantine now. And I think, you know what, credit to them, player safety comes first. We definitely advocate for that too. So taking an extra week just to prepare the squad now that they're out of isolation. And then, <laughs> ding, 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 you saw, hey, Bucky Sporta versus Eben Etzebeth. That is a fight I would watch. And I, I noticed here you said uh, chance of a box off. Imagine. Did you, was that a pun on the word box? Maybe. <laughs> Remember those box aunts at, um, was it Mapani back in res days? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's get those two cracking in there. No, Bucky's is a little bit too old. I think Itzabeth is youthful in nature, so he would definitely take that fight. So, I mean, we had this poll running on our page. Uh, over 300 people voted in it, and it was heavily in the favor of Yerbin, hey? Yeah, absolutely. You can't. I mean, look, Bucky's, you were a beast in your prime, and uh, I'd, I'd still never want to come across you. And I, uh, but Yerbin. <sighs> Man, that guy's just a beast. That would be a, a fight to end all so fights. What did, you, eh? what did you think of that? Um, of those comments? Tongue in cheek? You know, I don't understand why Bucky's Sporta has something against Itzabeth coming home and giving back to South African rugby. Maybe he's looking for a coaching role. True, possibly <laughs> at Toulon. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's coming to South Africa in his prime. He signed here till 2027, giving back to rugby in South Africa. Eben, 100% have your back there. Yeah. I think Bucky's was a bit out of place on that one. Yeah. Please don't hurt me, Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a bit saying as much and, you know, breaking the Bach code a little bit there from Bucky's as well. Yeah, absolutely. That was a little bit uh, poor form from you, Bucky's. But uh, Eben saying, you've got my number. I wonder if that's cell phone number or a jersey number. <laughs> <laughs> actually a good question yeah uh, okay but uh look well done to you Eben. we know that they weren't treating you well overseas you got a, you got injured once or twice or three or four times yeah, unfortunately i see he's got a calf injury now as well uh, is it yeah, well, so struggling a bit for too long but i mean take some cough syrup yeah <laughs> and then you know obviously last time we were on this episode we were speaking of the rumors of etzabeth joining the sharks that's since been confirmed very exciting news for the durban side now, rumors around Lurt Diacha also linking up there. Yeah, I don't know about those rumors. They seem a little bit airy-fairy to me, but uh, you seem convinced, eh? I think he's coming. And then, as well, on top of that, Peter Steff Tatoy announcing he wants to return to South Africa. Yeah, but that's also speculation, in all honesty. His contract goes up until next year, 
April, May, and he said, you know, he would consider coming back, but that doesn't mean he is coming back. So, uh, but where does he go when he comes back? Obviously, Stormers will fight heavily for yeah, him. If you were, he if you were to come shots. back, you know, sure, he'd, he'd you know, I'd, I'd assume he'd come to the Sharks, really, because we'd be able to pay him there with our private investment. But in all honesty, I think if Peter Steff finishes his contract in Japan, he's going, uh, he's going to stay north, but just move over to Europe. I don't know. I have a strong feeling that the Bulls are going to win the race for Peter Steffe. Eh? I see that Anu Berta is, is leaving from Pretoria. So Peter Steffe toy might make a, a turn out here at Loftus. <laughs> be quite nice to bump into him and say. It would. I would love him to go to the Sharks. Imagine Eben, Lurt, Peter Steffe and Sia. I mean, let's just be honest. The Sharks are building something extreme. Hundred. I would love to know how they're getting around that salary cap. Maybe Eben owns the Oyster Box or something now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Who they're knows? pulling a Saracens here and yeah. giving them, uh, you know, free accommodation. Apartment buildings in New York or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Yeah, but it's really great to see the South African talent coming home. Uh, it's ex- very, very exciting. I think it adds to our competition. And it's proof that privatization and investment is needed in the sport here because we can retain our players. If we get some real proper private investment, absolutely. But, you know... Um, Nick, I wonder if it's a little—it's—it's it's too little, too late, right? We're getting some big name players coming back, but there's still a massive player drain leaving at the moment. No, 100%. and we need to stop that. We need to close those floodgates. These guys need to stay here, and we need these guys from north to come back here. And then we need to be saying, okay, well, now we've got too many players, so we can afford to loan some out to other. Uh, but that's what—that's what I wouldn't mind is if the very youngsters go and play a bit in Europe, and then. We get them in their prime. The Bulls are doing it the wrong way. They're bringing all these old players back. The Sharks are getting Irvin in his prime. The Sharks have got Sia, Bongi, when they can contribute most to the game here. Let them go overseas when they're retiring from international rugby. Let them play there as youngsters, but get them in their prime in the South African teams. Mm-hmm. No, okay, I hear you. And it's look, it's very exciting, obviously. So I'd love to see... I mean, Lurt, Irvin, Peter Steff, if you guys all rocked up at the Sharks... Uh, on training one day, I mean, it would be it would be in- incredible, really. It really would. And then, I mean, talking about overseas, did you see the trouble with Vincent and Emmanuel Chituka for the Lions? No, what happened? Being denied entry to Ireland for the URC this weekend. Leinster, you're going to win this fixture, just let the boys in. What, what did they say was the problem? It's not quite clear what the problem is, but it's something to do with paperwork surrounding their visas. Ugh. I know the Lions are hoping to get them there before the fixture on Friday, but as it stands now... They are still in South Africa trying no, to the sort Lions their papers out. Absolutely. Lunga Nube was called up to the Lions squad to replace them. But I mean, the Chituka brothers are crucial to that Lions loose trio and any hope they may have of success against Leinster. So hopefully we can sort that one out. Eh? I mean, Spoon Corsi actually suffered the same fate in November, remember? He yeah, wasn't absolutely. able to travel. It's very strange. I mean, you've got people dedicated to sorting out visas and whatnot and player management sorting all of that out. How How is this actually an issue? It's a very good question. And for both brothers, I thought it might have been something around the vaccine at first, but yeah, absolutely. it seems it's a visa issue. And then, Ronnie, we're going to give some predictions for this weekend's action. Okay, what's happening? Are we going to look... Let's take a look at URC. So... First fixture for that one coming up, we said already, was Zebra versus the Bulls on Friday. I'm going to go with the Bulls. Fair enough. I don't see players missing from... I'm comfortable, I I feel, with with that, though. But the Bulls should, in theory, take it. They should, in theory. So, 
Come on, Bulls. Let's get the winning ways back there. Uh, Leinster versus Lions. I'm going to back Leinster here, of course. Okay, also 100% behind Leinster on that one. Connacht versus Stormers. Uh, I'm going to back Connacht. I just think uh, it's going to take the boys a week or two to get in and into the swing of things, but Connacht at home might be a little bit tricky. I'm backing the Stormers on that one to continue their undefeated year so far. I think Connacht will suffer a bit with the international call-ups. And then last one, Benetton versus the Sharks. Like you said earlier, large portion of the Benetton team on international duty. So this is an opportunity for the Sharks, really. I think it's a good game for them to get into the swing of things. It's not going to be, well, it's going to be a challenge, of course. Let's not discredit Benetton, but I think I'm going to give it to the Sharks. Fair enough. So Sharks, Ronnie's backing you. He's not calling you a middle table average team this week. So get it done. And Ronnie, what do you have? Uh, oh, no, wait. Before we move on, we just need to congratulate Pan Patafian. This is way harder than Varys to a decent. But anyway, Thomas Jorovic from Poland, Nochal. He's a Cheetahs fan, and he is currently leading the Curry Cup. South Africans, I am disappointed in you. Pull your socks up. Let's get something going here. But yeah, congrats, Pan Patafian. Yeah, that's his, uh, obviously his super brew name. Do we know what his real name is? Thomas Jorovic. Oh, excellent. Gratulacja. That's my best Polish out there. I hope, it, uh, I hope I pronounced it correctly. Yeah, so well done. Let's see if you can keep that up. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with a URC log leader after this weekend's fixtures. Okay, so it's my time to shine. I usually get a little two cent segment here and obviously in the last couple of episodes I've used this as an opportunity to moan about something and to complain about something. I promise you it won't always be this. I will look to be a little bit funnier in future um, with a joke or two or I can explain to you how Brian Abanner um, gave me his his world-class poiki recipe. But, you know, this week I just wanted to talk about the relationship between Springboks and the All Blacks. I think there's been obviously a lot of talk. We spoke about it in this podcast about the Springboks going up north and going to the the uh, the Six Nations or the Seventh Nations or whatever that package is going to be. But I think <laughs> I think the All Blacks need to fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. I have to agree with you, Ronnie, and it scares me how many times I've agreed with you in this podcast. <laughs> because if we look at the if we look at the great rivalries around the world, you know, you you talk about the Calcutta Cup, you talk about Scotland, England, and various other teams having these massive rivalries. In my opinion, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some of our uh, international um, uh, listeners will will disagree with me but i think the the greatest package out there is a game between the all blacks and springboks wherever it's whether it's in ellis park south africa or Dunedin, new zealand in all honesty the 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 all blacks are a great team and they need the springboks to remain great as soon as you remove the springboks and the regular games between them and you know the, the challenge that the springboks are to the uh, to the all blacks even if we get even if we lose 55 10 or 55 nil um, you know, those All Blacks walk off hurt. They yeah, really 100%. Do. And I mean, New Zealand rugby should actually be quite worried about who they will be playing if the Springboks leave. They're going to be left with the, the island nations and Australia and Japan. Yeah, so I noticed in the New Zealand Herald, one of the articles that I read, um, where they just said, you know, whatever you need to do, uh, you know, New Zealand rugby, you know, bribe the South Africans <laughs> to stay where they are. And I agree with them, absolutely. 
This we'll is take Razor. <laughs> well, yes, we, we will. But I mean, uh, let's let's not let's not joke around. Let's not let the Springboks and All Black rivalry go to waste now because we want to go over north and and you know earn more money there. So that's my two cents for this week. That wasn't so bad, Ronnie. Yeah. Okay. Next week I'll tell a joke. Lucky Ronnie, thanks for that little rant. So now it's on to Saturday. I don't know, did you see some of the crazy answers we got for last week's Saturday? I know, some of you guys need to double check those pictures because if you guys thought that was Nas Buerta or Brian Abana, you guys should hang your heads in shame. But I mean, we even got answers like Wasaki Naholo, we got Kuridrani, there was quite a range of... I, I mean, it's, it's a compliment there. to ha- who it actually is, let's, let's be serious. That's true, so if you didn't already know, last week's answer was Ox and Che. Ox and the big chair. ox. So I got um, it wrong, obviously. I, I picked a completely <laughs> the wrong guy completely. But uh, after seeing the picture that you posted on social media, you uh, got immediately it. knew who it was. So it's 1-1 one, one against Ronnie now and for Saturday. Uh, how are you feeling for this week's Name the Player? Um, a little bit more confident, really. You're a bit more confident. Well, let's see. Let's give you some stats and see what you come up with. So, the player's real name is Andrew David. He weighed at roughly 100 kilos when he was playing. He won 42 test caps, 35 of them as a starter. He won 23 games, lost 18 and one draw during his international career. His nickname was given to him by his grandmother. His test debut came in 2001 against France, with his last test coming in 2011 against Wales. He was the man of the match in his first appearance for club side Bath. What are your three questions, Ronnie? All right. So, look, I, I looked at this at the, at the points that you've just uh, read out to the listeners. Uh, first question, is he, he South African? He is indeed South African. Is he a winner of the 07 World Cup? He is indeed. All right. And then uh, I think I'm, I'm fairly sure I know who this is. And I just want to say I'm... Was he known as a as a as a great defender? The great defender. <laughs> Johnny Clegg might have written a song about him. <laughs> the great defender. Okay, uh, is it uh, Andrew David, aka Butch James? I don't know, Ronnie. We're gonna have to wait for Saturday to find out. Uh, okay. Lacquer guys, get your guesses in. Let us know in the comment section, and the answer will be posted on Saturday. Lacquer everybody. Thanks for joining us, and check you next week. Uh, hey guys, I just saw uh, on Nick's notes, he's not here right now, uh, he must be messaging his girlfriend, but uh, he, the so-called guy from Saturday, went to Marisburg College. <laughs>